everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete and mom to two little boys and coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon and Mental Performance Coaching. And I'm really excited to bring to you a really fun guest today um, who is a um, lover of the outdoors, race, races triathlons. She loves hiking, riding, but more importantly, we're going to really talk to her today about guiding with the visually impaired athletes. She is a prominent guide within the para triathlon community, and I'm really excited to kind of talk to her in regards to everything in regards to guiding, how she got into it, her mindset behind it, and everything in between. So I want to welcome today Courtney Knapp to the podcast. So welcome, Courtney. Welcome to the podcast. Want to help support the podcast? Now you can by joining the Where If You Take You community via Patreon. In the community, you'll get early access to guest episodes and three to four mini episodes throughout the month, along with more. It is an ever-evolving community in which we hope to bring more triathlon news, more triathlon support, and just community in general while we continue to share our passion and love for the sport that we all participate in. Your support goes a long ways to help supporting the podcast and for us to be able to bring you more content and continue to share our passion and love for the support. You can head over to thewherefeettakeyou.com and find the link on that website, or you can check the show notes. Again, your support goes a long ways to helping support the podcast. I know I've said support a lot here, but that's the way that it goes. And I want to thank you ahead of time for being a loyal listener and loyal subscriber to the podcast. Okay, back to the show. Thanks so much, Kayla. Happy to be here. Yay. Yeah. I think this is going to be a fun uh, fun episode because I know a lot of listeners may not know much about guiding. And this is something that you, I know, are fairly passionate about. And so I'm really excited to kind of maybe bring a little bit of more light to what guiding is and all those pieces. So, But before we get into guiding, I want, um, if you mind, sharing a little bit about who is Courtney for our listeners. Sure. Uh, I'm Courtney Knapp. I live in Portland, Oregon. Um, I work in the data and analytics space. I currently lead data strategy at Zwift. Um, I'm originally from upstate New York. I've been on the West Coast for 14 years. Um, And yeah, I like uh, like being outside more than being inside. uh, I'm a big believer in uh, working hard and being kind. It's kind of the summary. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Portland is a good place to be if you love being an actor. So I grew up in Hood River, Oregon. I didn't know that. Great. Yeah. 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 So I know Port- I relatively know Portland to the most of my people. So, um, it's a wonderful place to be outdoorsy. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. What brought you to the West Coast then? Work uh, life? Adventure? Yeah. Yeah. Adventure. Uh, yeah. I, I lived yeah. in California for 10 years prior to Portland. Uh, I moved to Portland for work. Um, in 2019. And uh, I actually work remotely now, but like Portland so much, I decided to stay. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Portland's a great, a great little spot. Um, Fabulous. So um, we know that you're, you know, in in triathlon and guiding, but kind of talk to me a little bit about how was it? Did you get into guiding first? Did you get into triathlon first? What, walk me through kind of your story of how you got into the sport and then, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, sure. I'll try to do this at the uh, at, a, at a high level. Um, I was a runner and a soccer player. Um, I ran and played soccer in high school and college. Um, so right out of the gates, I got used to doing uh, more than one sport uh, poorly. So triathlon was a natural fit for me. 
um, what actually happened is my dad was an Ironman and spent, nice. uh, after yeah. college, I was pretty burned out from running, um, and sports generally. And my dad uh, spent almost a decade saying, you know what? I think you should do triathlon. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just burned out of running. You're over-specialized. And I would say, uh, you're always tired. I quit running. I don't swim. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ride my bike to work in peace. Uh, and eventually, um, my dad uh, finally convinced me. So the uh, in 2015, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I went back home to New York for a little while to... Um, help uh while my dad was in the hospital and get a few things sorted out and while my dad was in the hospital I, I agreed to do a triathlon with him when he yeah. got better and I signed up to do the Syracuse half Ironman on Father's Day weekend um six months later and then I immediately went back to California and was like whoa what did I do him <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I did my first triathlon, um, with my dad waiting for me at the finish line, oh. um, primarily, um, uh, focused on making sure that, um, you know, like I got through a 1.2 mile swim, um, at a wonderful open water swimming community in Southern California that helped make that journey a lot easier. Uh, but didn't really know very much about triathlon, um, got a, a drafting penalty on the bike. Oh. Um, hadn't, uh, really spent a lot of time thinking through most of these things. Uh, definitely didn't think through the run, uh, had a very long run for me. Uh, and my dad in the sweetest, most wonderful dad way greeted me at the finish line, all emotional and said, you spent so much time learning how to swim. You forgot how to run. <laughs> Sounds like a dad. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, next father's day, you're getting socks. Um, so anyway, I, it turned out that I really loved the training for triathlon. Um, and I started, I started racing locally in Southern California and then, uh, racing mostly at the half iron distance. And I really, really love the training. Uh, it's works really well for me to, uh, to not be specialized. Um, so again, another example of my dad being right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, swimming, biking and running has been a great combination for me. I'm a big believer in, um, sort of the minimum effective dose, which is a, a hot take in triathlon, but I like to find that area under the curve of what's the right amount to train. Um, and, uh, I raced triathlon for, um, two, like two, two and a half years. Um, I had a, um, relatively serious bicycle accident in 2018 um, and kind of reconsidered how I wanted to do triathlon. I was at the point as an age grouper where I was, um, you know, uh, regularly on the podium age grouper, uh, occasionally beating pros. Um, and my coach and I had a conversation around like, what do you want to do next year? Um, and I was like, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to do I don't want to do more triathlon training. I want to yeah. kind of stay with this, but also, um, you know, I like it fine, but I want to be able to do all these other things in my life. Um, yeah. I want to um, make this a small piece of my identity, not a big piece of my identity, having sports once been most of my identity in college. Um, and I was just kind of like thinking through all of that and kind of thinking through what to do after a, a, a bicycle accident. and. Um, when I got back to training, uh, 
the paratriathlon national championships were in Long Beach, California last that year. Um, and they were looking for a guide for a runner who um, had been a 5K runner and had outrun her guide in the race where she qualified. Wow, and um, <laughs> someone tagged me in the Facebook post about it on like the Team USA yeah, Come and Be yeah. a Guide. And then yeah. a number of other people were like, you should talk to Courtney. She's like pretty fast, but she's really talkative. She'd be a great guy. <laughs> um, and so that was in 2018. And I, um, I just loved it. I just loved yeah. it so much more than tr- racing triathlon for myself immediately. Uh, I continued to race for myself for like a, maybe another season. Um, but it was just instantly, it made triathlon feel like a team sport for me. It added a lot of meaning and value. Um, I was kind of constantly getting ragged on my, by my coach for talking too much in races anyway. And I was like, ha, joke's on no, you. That's my job no, now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's how I got into, into guiding. Um, and it's just, a, yeah, it's a, it's a, by far the most meaningful thing I've done in, in sports. And I, I like to joke that it's everything I like about triathlon and nothing that I don't. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Wow. What a fun story. I I love how that started with family and kind of ended with family in a way also, because when in order, you know, from my minimal amount of knowing about guiding is there's no way you cannot do what you're doing without still focusing on that person that you're helping being family in a way and really connecting with them. Um, And I think that's really cool. Um, before we kind of get more into kind of like, you know, you and guiding, can you just give our listeners um, a little bit of the down and dirty in what is guiding? What do you, what are you specifically doing? Um, you could even talk about how people get into it, training for it. Just, yeah, more sure. yeah, high level basics ab- about it to kind of explain the concept of guiding. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep my answer less, uh, less long-winded, but, um, oh, you're fine. Never, Be as long you've never as had you the experience of <laughs> explaining what triathlon is to someone, right? They're like, Oh, that's the one where you like, uh, shoot and ski. And you're like, no, nope, hold on. Keep thinking. Uh, so it is, uh, it is swim, bike, run. And your guide, uh, is attached to you by a tether on the swim. You ride a tandem bike and then you are attached again by tether either hand or waist on the run. Um, At the uh, high performance level, your guide must be uh, same gender, same nationality. Um, But for your, uh, for Ironmans, for uh, local races, you could have, I've guided for men before, I've guided for women before, um, and I've guided for Canadian before, uh, but at the high performance level, yeah. Uh, same gender, same nationality. Uh, and your guide should be kind of roughly um, at least 20% faster across all three sports with the idea that um, you're incredibly reliable for the person uh, who you are guiding. Uh, and yeah. you have to be talking the entire time. Um, mm. Or not the entire time, but you need to be aware enough that you are talking and saying, we have a turn, uh, we have a surface change, we are um, moving onto the carpet, uh, we're going to make a pass, uh, I need you to put your, uh, you know, head down and push some watts while we clear the passing zone. Um, so it's, uh, 
you you need to be communicative, aware, um, have strong handling on the bike, um, patience, uh, and also um, be a probably a little more of a Robin than a Batman, which mm-hmm. fits me fits my personality well. Yeah. So this is probably a really dumb question, but how does that work? How, how does the communication portion work for the swim then? So the first athlete that I, I guided for was, um, was deaf blind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually had the, uh, very, very steep learning curve of having only a tactile system on the swim, yeah. um, because she couldn't wear a hearing aid in the water at all. Um, so it tactile for those listening, tactile meaning touch, touch only. Yeah. Yep. So, um, uh, there is no yelling left, left, left at a buoy with someone who is deaf. You have to have a hand signal system or a, a tether pulling system to, to indicate turning, passing, uh, getting out of the water. Um, so, uh, I rely on, uh, uh, whatever works for the athlete that I'm guiding for. So some of that, some people prefer to have you swim on their left. Some people prefer you to swim on their right. Some people have some vision. So they want to be able to see you in, uh, out of the corner of their eye. Some people are uh, classed, uh, paratriathlon for visually impaired is classed in B1, B2, B3. People who are B1 uh, wear blackout goggles. Um, and so it may they may want you in a different place. Uh, and also your size and strokes have to work together. And the guide's job is to adjust to the efficient stroke of the athlete. Uh, so the communication really depends on where you're uh, seated next to your athlete in, in terms of position and the amount of communication that they need. Um, I like head, uh, head tapping is a really good place to start um, or, or shoulder tapping. For the, when you know that there's a buoy coming or uh, a slide uh, for a pass to let people know. Um, yeah. A lot of it's just you, your strokes start to connect and you can feel when you're speeding up too. But so much of it is also coming up with a plan pre-race. You always mm-hmm. know you're getting in and, you know, making clockwise turns or however the course is shaped. Um, but um, yeah, depending on depending on your athlete, you adjust mm-hmm. your communication. So how long in advance do you start working with a specific athlete? Because I'm assuming, or is it just you're able to pick a lot of this stuff up quick? You know, you've been doing guiding long enough. You could start working with a very specific, uh, guiding a specific athlete within like a week or two, or do you usually work longer to connect, learn each other? Um, I've been working with a Paralympic hopeful for over a year. right now and Mm -hmm. she and i have uh done seven races together and a number of training weekends uh that would be the sort of extreme end of uh uh, you know really committing to someone for uh, a season and traveling internationally with them and training weekends with them and making sure that their schedule is prioritized uh but i have also shown up at a race uh and um where I thought that I was going to be a pacer this is uh, mm-hmm. actually just for running where I thought I was going to be a pacer and they realized that they had a visually impaired athlete who needed a guide 
And I ran a half marathon next to that person uh, because they needed a guide. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, it totally depends. There are so many levels of uh, help needed in the peer community, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, in, in in terms of people who are brand new and just want to run and want to run their first 5K to people mm-hmm. who want to go to the Paralympics. Yeah. Um, there are people who want to run a local sprint triathlon and would take three different guides because it's, you know, mm-hmm. yep. a, a, a small local thing and you could just be there because you're a, a really strong swimmer or a, uh, got great bike handling and you can all work together to get somebody across that finish line. Or it, it could be a, a Paralympic cycle commitment. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very cool. I've done yeah, a I lot like- of... I had done a lot of pacing on the run mm-hmm. um, uh, and have done quite a bit of guiding on, on the run too. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the other place where um, you could go to almost any road race in North America and there would, would be someone, there would be a visually impaired runner. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to, happy to give you the links to all the places where people can sign up with United in Stride and Achilles International to become guides for running, which is a great place to get involved um, at all levels and all paces. Yeah. um, I will have, um, I will have you send me those and we will link those in the show notes to this, but that's a great kind of segue into that question is like, how can people get involved with guiding um, and, you know, learn about it, try it, explore it, et cetera. Cause you know, we always need, we need more, right? Yeah. Um, there is a, there are a few websites that match, um, athletes with guides, um, through a database that is primarily, uh, finding a geographic match and then mm-hmm. creating a forum for people to find out if they are of similar pace and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's called the United in Stride, uh, which is a running database, but a lot of uh, triathletes use. Um, the Olympic Training Center has hosted a series of uh, guide camps over the last okay. two years um, where they have brought in um, high performing athletes to uh, train them to become guides. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, think this is the third year that they are recruiting for that. Um, often it is word of mouth. Okay. Uh, right. So if you are a fast, friendly, patient person who uh, wants to give back in the most fun possible way you can, uh, I would encourage you to check out the uh, guide camp at the Olympic Training Center. Um, and also, uh, I'm guiding, for example, for a first time triathlete at the Oregon Half Ironman this summer. And that mm-hmm. I just found that person that's an, a, an existing Paralympian, but not from paratriathlon, who's doing her first triathlon as like a bucket cool. list. Yeah. Um, and that was just word of mouth. Just somebody dropped me a note and said, you live in Oregon. Do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course I do. Um, okay. I want to talk we, as for those people that listen, we know we talk a lot about mindset on this podcast. And so I kind of want to talk about the mindset behind guiding because I imagine, and this could be me just not knowing enough about guiding, um, but not only do you have to kind of work through your own 
you know, mindfulness of yourself as the athlete, but may have to even take on a little bit of that for the team, right? You and your team member. And so could you talk to us a little bit about what that undertaking is like? Like, do you like taking on your own aspect of getting through a race, right? Because if you're talking about, you know, Oregon, if you're talking, even talking about Oregon 70.3, that's, that's a, that's a 70.3. That's a half Ironman. That's no easy feat to get through mentally on your own. Then also having to, you know, ensure that somebody else is getting across the line safely, productively achieving their goals quickly or not quickly, you know, right. All those pieces. So what are kind of some of the mindfulness tips and pieces that you've had to work through as you've grown into this, this, this role that, that it's a privilege. Yeah. Um, that it's, uh, it's easy to, it's very easy for me to think about, um, helping a visually impaired person find the step on the podium as Mm -hmm. a far more meaningful experience than breaking the tape in a race for me. Mm Um, I, think being a strong, reliable teammate uh, and a source of positivity and encouragement is a very lucky place to be in sports. Um, I've been an athlete my entire life. Um, I've been lucky enough to do it at a reasonably high level in a couple of different sports. And this is just a way that um, I feel like I can use my uh, fitness and uh, strengths, uh, talents, and discipline to help other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to reframe the challenges as privileges and opportunities for me. Um, I also think um, like the... uh, other way to consider it is the person attached to you doesn't just rely on you, but they're doing all the hard things that you are doing mm-hmm. um, while not being able to see. So yeah. um, you could probably keep going. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. You can get through it because they're getting through it. Yeah. 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 What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys, that you have faced while you're out there? And then, you know, what helped you to overcome them? as you know as a guide for yourself and or the person. Oh, um I think I think it's usually communication and trust, mm-hmm. right? It you're not always going to be the perfect guide for each athlete. So some guide athlete pairs are matched and they do or they don't work and mm-hmm. not taking that personally is part of it. Um remembering that, you know, guiding you're a tool yeah. Uh, you are a tool for an athlete um, is a, a really important and also very humbling way to, to consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's communication and, and, and finding the right um, toolbox uh, to work together with. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had the, I was, I was lucky enough to guide for um, another young athlete um, who came from swimming. And I remember mm-hmm. She asked me a very specific kind of pool swimming question about um, the transition into open water, mm-hmm. um, and I thought to myself, oh, you know, 
I, I don't know if that's like the yeah. 400 I am. I have no idea. Like, yeah. let me yeah. ask the swimmer. Um, so, so, you know, it, it, I feel like that's a, that's a funny part of it too. The same way, um, you know, it's very easy for, it was very easy for me to work with the first athlete I worked with who came from running. I came mm-hmm. from running, you know, she was used to running on somebody's elbow, like a cross country kid. And that's just how we did it. We didn't, yeah. we, we almost like didn't even have to talk about that part. Mm-hmm. Um, it just naturally happened. Um, the athlete I'm working with now, her name is Taylor. She's a, she's a delight. Um, she was a Paralympic sprinter. She ran the 200 and the 400 in Tokyo. Um, and the first time we trained together, there's just an absolutely fantastic video of us, um, lining up at the track and she immediately crouches down into like a power sprinter pose. And I was a 10,000 meter runner and I'm just kind of like standing up right there. It's like, (laughs) okay. And then, you know, the, I, I, I think it was Tommy yells go. And she's just like out of the frame. Uh, just like power start out of the frame. And I'm just like, which way did she go boss? Right. Uh, which was just like a wonderful moment to realize, like, even if you're both runners, you still mm-hmm. got to talk about um, how you want to start, how you're going to work together, how you're going to pace, you know, for uh, uh, for Taylor coming from short distance. Uh, it, we had to think about, um, do you have 16 more 400s, right? And reframing it as like a, a, for pacing, whereas me as a longtime distance runner and a pacer, that is really ingrained in me, but having to break it down into smaller chunks for her just took some time. And I just think that's like, it's like being a, being a teammate, um, coming from team sports, um, I think makes that easy, makes that a little easier too, right. As a, as a soccer player, you learn what your strengths and positions are, uh, with other folks, uh, and trying to make sure that you're, you're there when they're not. Um, Mm -hmm. and so talking about that and, um, being, uh, honest about your own, uh, strengths and weaknesses too. Yeah. Yeah. So that you guys can communicate between the two of you and come up with a plan that, you know, helps you to be able to navigate whatever form of, you know, potential minefields you might be traipsing through. And we absolutely make a run of the show schedule. Um, for the day before and what we're going to eat and what time are we going to go to bed and when are we going to wake up and who's making what for dinner and what time are we going to get to the start and when is the pre-rafe briefing. So there's a lot of that too, just planning Mm -hmm. and communication, um, Mm -hmm. which I think also helps you think through the potential minefields. Yeah, yeah. Um, When you have, so like whenever you've had an athlete um, or a teammate that is maybe really right. We all go through those moments. It's really struggling um, in, in a race, right? We, we get that, that dark moment. Um, are you some, do you, as kind of, again, as their teammate, and I, I really want to kind of use, yes, guide is probably the technical term, but you really are, you're a team, right? That's what you are. You're a team. Um, you're a tool. What? I like your, I like that take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, tool teammate, but your teammate. Um, and so what, how do you help? What are some of the things that you've done to help, you know, the athlete to kind of navigate themselves through that? Because right. You can't fall into that space either because then they, they do 
yeah, right? I don't give myself, I, I don't allow myself the opportunity to go into that space as a guide, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is actually one of the things that I like so much about guiding is it's just not even an option. Whereas yeah. in my own races, I, I'm, it's an I, easier I've option. certainly, you know, done that where I was like, do I even like this? Can I finish? Yeah. This is <laughs> my sixth this? half Ironman this year, but I might not be able to do this one. I should probably mm-hmm. just sit down. Then you got to be yeah. like, don't do that. Get yeah, it together. Yeah. I, mean, I just yeah. don't even give myself that opportunity as a guy. Um, yeah. It's just not, it's, it's just not, it's just not there. You can't, mm-hmm. you, that's not your job. Um, you know, you, your responsibility is to be, um, is to be there no matter, mm-hmm. uh, and I try to be there and be smiling even if I am gritting my teeth to smile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've twice uh, had the opportunity to to guide for someone doing their first triathlon, mm-hmm. um, including, um, uh, you know, in both cases, athletes who were high performing Paralympic level athletes in another sport, okay. and mm-hmm. both times uh, that that I'm I'm thinking of, they crossed the finish line and said. Um, I'm so glad you were there telling me that I could do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think when you're first getting started, it's it's special to be able to have a voice outside your head telling you you can do it, even if the voice inside your head isn't as positive. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a great uh, sort of like side perk of, of having a guide, um, mm-hmm. which is also, a, you know, uh, I don't know if you've been, if you've paced or been paced, but it's a, it's a side perk of, uh, being a pacer too, right? Like, all right, I'm here to PR my half marathon and there's some friendly person with a fanny pack full of snacks, carrying a sign, telling me how strong and powerful I am and that you absolutely can do it. Right. Like that's one of the reasons people like pacers because we're robots, but people Mm. also like pacers because like we can, uh, you know, potentially, um, keep your mind uh where your mind should go um mm-hmm. it's just part of the it's just kind of like part of the responsibility there's also yeah. i think someone once told me this uh and your listeners are probably catching on to this by now i once had someone say you talked so much that i had to speed up so i could leave your base group and i was like whatever gets it done buddy whatever gets you there that's you're welcome <laughs> That's awesome. You're like, hey, I helped, right? That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about, I mean, this might, again, might be a little bit of a silly question, but you talked about like you, you're, you're the pacer, the one carrying the little snacks in their fanny pack. When you are guiding for, for athletes, do you carry, like, how does that work? Do you help them manage their nutrition plan? Do you pass things? Like, is that even allowed? Are you allowed to pass things? Like, what is that yeah, part of um... like? <laughs> So if there are any um, visually impaired athletes listening, they will know that on the t- back of a tandem bike, uh, they can just stuff their food wrappers down the pants of their guide. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> It makes just, me think of my my son who, whenever he rides on the back of the, my bike, when I put him in the little carrier on the back, he's always playing with the seat, paint my pants. And I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> I don't want I take that box of raisins out of there. Uh, uh yeah, so so uh 
if you're running through an aid station, um, I can call ahead. Like if, if I see an aid station, I can say, I'll ask, do you want a water? Um, and then I can grab water and then I can take the cups and I can throw the cups out um, on the bike. Absolutely. I can reach down. I'll say, hey, um, I'm reaching down for water or let me know when you're reaching up down for water so the bike isn't wobbly. Okay. Um, and wrappers can get stuffed in the, uh, the, a lot of the kits right now have the open back Pockets circle, like, yeah. uh, like a swimsuit and just oh, okay, yeah. pick them down there and then try to hope that you see a trash can early on in the run. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, though coming up with nutrition, um, is it, you know, that, that, that should be the, the job of the athlete and their coach, uh, mm-hmm. or the athlete and their nutritionist, um, and then you just make sure that I know it gets what executed. works for me and I can, you know, I can share what works for me. Um, but, uh, for sure that's an, that's an individual choice. And my job as a, uh, guide is just to, to support that and pick up the, pick up the wrappers and yeah. I don't know, make sure it's in the right pocket. And the are there really par- water. Right. And the water, so the bike doesn't, do- are there parameters as a guide? Like, are there pieces that, you know, like silly comparison being that in a Ironman like outside race, help? outside help cannot, you know, somebody can't give you sunglasses or they can't give you chapstick or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, are there, there parameters are, along those lines? It's a little different, right? The parameters are around, uh, are generally around forward movement. And we're starting to separate out into um, like high performance uh, guiding and mm-hmm. regular guiding. Um, in, uh, most local races, the, this is not the, the rules are not mm-hmm. as stringent. They are mm-hmm. not in, they're not enforced in the same way. There's not a penalty box. Um, uh, you might not even need the guide for all three sports. So I don't want to discourage anyone who wants to help as a guide in a race about yeah. all of these other things. But yeah, there mm-hmm. are very specific rules around, mm-hmm. um, you know, drafting on the swim, being ahead of your runner uh, on the run, um, anything okay. that mm-hmm. seems like you are uh, pulling Forward your athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are marked leading zones on the course, mm-hmm. which can be areas where you can be leading your athlete. Oh, um, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And those are um, marked and uh, discussed in the pre-race briefings for any kind of world triathlon races. Um, So uh, at a high level, like if you're in a kit that says USA, you're racing in a world triathlon race, you're collecting points for world triathlon, the rules are much more stringent. Um, At a a local race, um, you know, you, you, you can be much it's much easier to help mm-hmm. there are uh the equipment the adaptions for equipment are different um mm-hmm. you know the the size of the tether is very specific in world triathlon oh, they okay. check all the equipment they go through all of that in a pre-briefing um whereas i have done local smaller local races where like there have been uh, it, there's been a guide next to <laughs> someone yeah. on a bike right yeah. or yeah. um you know people running with um you know uh basically like a harness mm-hmm. versus a tether like whatever gets yeah. you through the race yeah. in a local race yeah. fine yeah. in world triathlon yeah there are very strict mm-hmm. rules um all those rules are um 
available in the athlete handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're reminded, you're reminded of those rules. Um, yeah. All yeah. your equipment is measured um, right before the race. Um, the How stretchy things are, um, oh, what okay. materials, what color. Um, yeah, that's very specific. Oh, wow. But that's, yeah. again, at the... Right. Mm-hmm. At the higher level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like no different than going from a local race to maybe an Ironman branded race as an age group or to a pro pro race as a right. Like all the, the pieces kind of get a little more stress. Yeah. Or like um, racing, racing ITU versus. Yeah, 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 exactly. Very cool. Um, what have been some of your favorite races that you've been a part of as a guide? Oh, um, and you can even think, go into like favorite experiences too. Yeah. I think like, anytime, um, I think anytime I get to help someone do uh, something for the first time or yeah. something that they didn't know that they could do is incredibly special for me. Oh, I, um, I um, just in the rest of my life, I can't be a full-time live-in guide uh, giving, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not in a place where I could fully commit to guiding. Um, mm-hmm. so I think my sweet spot is helping existing high performance athletes cross over into paratriathlon. So, um, I have really enjoyed that. So mm-hmm. I, I like to, I'd like the role or the role that I have had, uh, has been helping someone get started, get an mm-hmm. elite license, and then mm-hmm. I can, and then they go and live at the training center, and they have a you know a live-in a guide who doesn't mm-hmm. have um, a demanding job, job and yep. a family and uh, everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I can take someone else from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's what I I really love. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I'm I'm sticking around a little, I'm sticking around a little longer for uh, Taylor right now, which has been very yeah. fun, and uh, yeah. that's just been a great match, and um, it's worked out really well. Uh, but yeah, my uh, ideal favorite experiences are: it's your first triathlon, um, it's your um, entrance into international racing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Uh, I think also my um some of my favorite experiences are um when you right before you finish a race your mm-hmm. job is to tuck behind the athlete so they're yeah. crossing the finish line right before mm-hmm. you um mm-hmm. it's just like being a pacer right like you might be in lane 1 lane 1 lane 1 on the track and at the very end you sort of fade out into the distance and then get blurred out in the photos. Um, You don't get blurred out in the photo because you're literally tied to the person on the run in paratriathlon, but there's something really beautiful about the moment right before you finish where it's like, this is no longer about us. This is about you. And I love that. I love that too. So um, I have never seen a, I've seen lots of, you know, like sweaty action photos of me doing sports over 20 something years. And the smile that I have 
as I am like letting somebody go in front of me as they finish or fading out into the distance in a pace (laughs) after a track 5k or whatever it is. Like I just, the hug at the finish line, I notice Mm -hmm. how happy and how happy I am. And it makes me, it's helped remind me like, this is what I was supposed to do in sports all along. Yeah. This was, this was my value, my purpose behind why I even got, maybe why I even got into sport in general. Yeah. It was was leading towards this. It's about community to me, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I love uh, a strong, supportive community and whether that's um, your, you know, your master swim group or your ocean swim group or your, you know, Sunday long run crew or whatever it is, there's so much opportunity to build community through sport. And I want everyone to have the opportunity to experience the joy and empowerment of sport. I've gotten so much from sport in my life. And I feel like this is a absolute privilege to be able to share it in this way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing gave me little shivers when you were explaining all that because you know that's what yeah, that's what sports about it's about finding that piece of you that you want to share to the world in whatever way that that looks like in you know sport in all aspects guiding not guiding first time lifetime athlete you know whatever sport it is to me has always been about that like Hey, what is this? What's this thing that lights your soul on fire? And how do we how do we share it with the world? And sounds like that's that's what you're doing. You found something that lights your soul on fire, and you're doing everything you can to help other people feel that same way. Yeah, I I feel very lucky to have sort of randomly found guiding, and it also helped mm-hmm. me decide that you know, like this was this was the way that triathlon works for me. Yeah. Um, I loved the training. I never really loved racing triathlon. I would, Mm -hmm. um, I've never, I don't know. I've never really liked racing anything. I love Mm -hmm. training. I'm very uh, methodical and disciplined and data driven in Mm -hmm. my training. And then um, sometimes uh, racing doesn't, very few times for me did racing feel like a joyful expression of my hard work. Um, Okay. So I really loved, you know, when um, one of my closest friends got into triathlon around the same time as I did. And um, I, I loved having a buddy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All the adventure of going to the races and having a buddy. Mm-hmm. and uh, But like the actual sort of like four and a half, five hours of sports, like, oh, okay, we're doing that. But like, I'm so excited about brunch and our road trip. <laughs> Uh, hey, priorities. Priorities are important. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think um, this has made triathlon so much more enjoyable for me. The pair community is also wonderful, fun, uh, incredibly talented, um, which is really neat. Uh, and yeah, I think also it helps what can sometimes feel like an inherently selfish pursuit feel uh, much more meaningful and um, team oriented. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned um, the training that you do love the train. What does training look like for you? Is it, did did it change once you became a guide or is it kind of just the same? And then it's just the communication racing 
action planning aspect changed? Yeah, uh, good question. So um, uh, the only triathlon I had on my calendar last year was not um, even really a true swim bike run. It was mm-hmm. uh, Survival of the Shawangunks, which oh, is goodness. a bike interesting. swim, run, swim, run, swim, run in upstate New York. Okay. Um, it is very close to where I grew up. Uh, it is, uh, it has been like a bucket list race for me since mm-hmm. I knew about it, uh, which was well before I knew about triathlon, but it was like, you know, when I was in high school, the race has been on going on for almost 50 years. Um, and it was originally created, um, as a, uh, training event for some folks in upstate New York who were doing, uh, Ironman. And so... <laughs> Most of last year, I was, um, you said you uh, you know Oregon pretty well. I was driving out to Timothy Lake and yep. swimming across Timothy Lake and then running around it and then swimming across it. Oh, my goodness. It's pretty yeah. different than what you need to do for sprint triathlon. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was training for that. So it was a lot okay. of, um, you know, open water swims and trail running. Um, Mm -hmm. which I love. It's super fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's probably, it's for sure what I miss the most about living in Southern California is just like regular access to open water swimming. Yeah. But, uh, so I was doing a ton of open water swimming, which is my absolute favorite. And then lots of trail running. Um, and then, um, I have the lucky opportunity that it's very easy for me to ride my bike at work, working at Zwift. So lots of biking. Um, but, uh, I ended up um, not doing SOS because um, Taylor had the opportunity to race at nationals. So okay. they were the same day. Mm-hmm. And so I took a bunch of endurance, kooky, adventure race type fitness uh, and just kind of Shoved started sharpening one. that back up in, yeah. in the other direction. Um, but generally my training is swimming, mm-hmm. biking, running, and uh, strength training. I run as little as I can get away with. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. It's my background. Um, I also yeah. think it's the place where I'm the most likely to get injured. So I yes. really choose quality over quantity on the run. Mm-hmm. Swim once a week with a, a master's group here in town mm-hmm. and then a couple other days a week. Um, and then I uh, ride inside a lot mm-hmm. uh, during the week. And then yeah. try to get outside um, gravel or road on the weekends. Um, you can with Pacific Northwest weather. <laughs> yeah. 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 This time um, of year at least. Yeah. That's what um, bike trainers and bike trailers mm-hmm. are for though. So. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, but my, you know, I sharpen up my training in uh, with specificity for mm-hmm. sprint triathlon um, but I, uh, have a lifestyle that allows me to walk around with a relatively high level of fitness because it's what yeah. I love doing. Mm-hmm. So That's what you love. I'm yeah. this year again, uh, uh, going to, going to do the survival of the Schwangunks. Okay. Uh, so I will okay. go back to doing my, uh, Taylor and I are doing a race in five weeks in, um, yeah. in Miami. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll turn it back up for some longer runs and, uh, a little more swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, plus some 
climbing on the bike. Yeah. And then you have that race in Oregon, it sounds like. And yeah. Is that Oregon 70.3? Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be okay. guiding. Uh, I'll be guiding at Oregon 70.3. Awesome. That's such a fun race. I don't know if you've actually done it yet, but it's. I it appears really to be it. an extremely fast swim. It is. It's uh, <laughs> downriver. And last year, so that was the first time I had raced it before, but last year they actually, the swim guy, whoever like manages the swim, um, he floated a bag of chips down and timed it. And it was like the bag of chips did it in like 25 minutes. So <laughs> that's like the New York Everybody swim craft. Yeah. 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 Um, Awesome. Well, we're kind of coming up on our hour here and I won't take too much of your time, but I do want to know a little bit about, uh, not no, but I'm going to ask you a question on, you know, what do you, what would you want people? So I'm going to do ask this in two parts, but for people who are, you know, part of the para, not para triathlon, but any form of para athletics, is that right? Maybe mm-hmm. um, para athletics and how, what would you say to them to like get them say, encouraged more uh to transition into triathlon or some form of guided type of sport and then two for those two wanting to potentially move into guiding what would you recommend or say or what do you think needs sorry this is a long-winded question um they need to maybe bring more people into the guiding atmosphere um to help kind of broaden the scope of guiding, right? I'm basically getting at what do you think is needs to happen to get more people involved across the board from, from the, the athlete to the guide? Um, I think I'll uh, answer both questions with a, In one, a one word, which is awareness, which mm-hmm. is you know one of the reasons I wanted to come on the podcast or, yeah. why, or why I was so excited when you asked. Uh, yeah, because I think it's awareness. I think people uh, don't know there's a need mm-hmm. uh, and don't know if they can fill that need as a guide, but mm-hmm. guiding, we need guides at all levels, right? We need yeah. guides for the Paralympics. Um, so let's go chasing down young professional triathletes and encouraging them to guide. Um, but we also need guides for, you know, the local sprint um, around uh, your neighborhood um, that also might have a visually yeah. impaired person who may not know that they could do it because there isn't a guide. So it's a it's a virtuous circle, right? Like the mm-hmm. more guides that come in, the more people realize, oh, there's guides. I could get help. Yeah. It's yep. the same with um, skiing, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that that visually impaired people can ski until they see a guide and a uh, yeah. a, a blind skier. And luckily, they usually wear a big vest that says blind, mm-hmm. um, which helps. People are always, like, oh my god, I, I had no idea you could do that. Yeah, and so I grew up skiing, and that was always one of my favorite things to see. And I was always so impressed and just so awestruck that you know they that pe- anybody in reality like that you have the courage to go out there and do it. And I just thought it was so cool. Um, anyways, it, it, no, it's so cool, and mm-hmm. I think that's what happens in triathlon too, right? Uh, yeah. You know, you see, um, you know, Team Hoyt, right? If you mm-hmm. if you'd ever mm-hmm. done a race where you where Team Hoyt was at your event. And you realize, oh my goodness, so many people could do triathlon with just a little bit of help. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's what it is. It, it's awareness. Um, it's um, wanting to give to sport. Um, also, right, because it is, um, it is not your race. It is someone else's race. 
And uh, realizing that I think is uh, can be a, a feature, not a bug, if yeah. uh, for the right people. Um, but yeah, I think it's getting out there, and um, you know, if you get passed in a race by a tandem bike. Um, this has happened to me a number of times where like we've passed someone on a tandem bike and then that person has come up to us after the race and said, wow, I didn't, that's amazing. Tell me more about it. And it was just that they've never seen a tandem bike before. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a neat way to do it too. Um, There are great um, uh, articles that USA triathlon has written. There have been some really good, um, articles in you know everything from like the new york times to outside magazine on Mm -hmm. guiding but just you know press and awareness for both yeah um and uh i mean and then i'm just i'm a a very small sample size here but almost any time i meet a high achieving age grouper or a professional triathlete i try to convince them to become a guide i'm like oh Mm -hmm. i know you like triathlon but have you considered guiding it's way better so I'm yeah, just trying yeah, to win people yeah. over one person at a time too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and anyone who's listening can can reach out to me if they have questions. I'm happy to happy to answer questions. I'm happy to uh, share some resources that you can link to. Um, there's a yeah. it's just a wonderful wonderful community that should get uh, get a little more uh, awareness. Love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, where can people reach out to you? Do you have a place that you prefer people to reach out to you for more information on guiding? Oh, um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, uh, uh, but people can email me, um, Mm -hmm. first name, last name, Courtney Knapp at gmail.com. Um, I'm on, I'm on Instagram with a silly little, uh, internet handle tougher than a $2 steak. Which is what my grandpa used to say. I love that internet me. handle, by the way. <laughs> when I was a little kid, that's what my grandpa, I was like a small little kid, and my grandpa would say, you got to make it in this world, kid. You got to be tougher than a $2 steak. Yes. Like, what does that mean? And he said, just chew on it. <laughs> oh. so, of course, very few people know that that, is, that yeah. handle is, is an ode to my grandpa, but it is. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It's a, love a lot of letters, but very it. memorable, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, people awesome. can follow me, uh, can message me there, email me. Um, I'm happy to try to connect people into um, the the databases that I'll, I'll I'll share with you. But yeah, I there there are so many opportunities to guide, and so many really talented visually impaired athletes who would love uh, the help. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. happily. Fabulous. Well, my last question to you is what do you feel that you've learned the most through this journey of guiding, whether that be about yourself, about teamwork, just what is the thing that has stuck out to you the most? We are capable of so much more than we often initially think. I love that because it's so true. We really are. We're really, we're just capable. I always believe that we're capable of doing anything that we want. And the, my silly example to that always is like people will say, I have always gone to me like, well, I could never do a triathlon. <clears throat> yes, you can. You are more than capable. You're capable of doing anything that you want to do. You just have to want to do it. Yeah. But you're capable. You're more than capable. Be steadfast in your goals and flexible in your methods. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Awesome. 
Uh, fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. So people are going to be able to see you at your swim run event, potentially, in New York. And uh, Oregon 70.3, and then probably some races for Taylor, it sounds like, kind of throughout the years. Or we might be able to see you out there in those areas. Yeah. The uh, race in Miami is the, uh, is the Paralympic qualifier event. Oh, cool. Um, so that's in five weeks. And uh, the rest of the Paralympic schedule will depend on her uh, mm-hmm. and uh, how how it works out. But you should all keep your eye out for, for Taylor. Um, yeah. And uh, she's got a bright future. And there's oh, a lot wow. of other really talented para-athletes out there that um, folks should track down and, and share. Um, and then, yeah, for me, I'll just be – I'll probably just be training – but uh, yeah, I'll be out there training in Portland. So if you're in and around Portland, reach out to Courtney. She <laughs> likes to talk. <laughs> it's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey, Courtney. I really appreciate you coming on here. And again, will you, for everybody listening, we will, um, I will have Courtney send me some of those links so that I can uh, put them in the show notes where if you are interested in guiding, you can find them um, as an easy resource underneath the in the show notes. And then again, you can always reach out to Courtney. She, um, like she said, she's a wealth of knowledge and is very, very into helping other people kind of get connected within the whole ecosystem of guiding and um, para-athletes. So thanks you so much, Courtney. I appreciate you sharing your time with us and yeah, have a fun 2020, 24. There's too many 20s there, but a great new year. (laughs) You as well. Thanks so much for having me.